Good afternoon and welcome to today's Lots of Matza Pizza Podcast. Today we have a very special non-Minnesota guest. His name is Ian Moran. He's a scout for neutral zone hockey. He's a former college and pro player and has great takes on the Twitter sphere and is very, very entertaining and very, very smart when it comes to the game. He's played with a lot of Minnesota players. So we're going to get to hear about his experience playing with Minnesota players, his thoughts on NHL-ready players for this uh, draft, uh, NHL draft coming up. And there's going to be some good stories in here, too. So stay tuned. I hope you enjoy today's show. Love is a burning thing And it makes a fiery ring Bound by wild desire I fell into a ring of fire Well, Ian, thank you very much for joining us. It's been a pleasure getting to know you so far. Yeah, thank you very much for having me. Well, you have a really cool path uh, to professional hockey, uh, unlike many from here from Minnesota, and I'd love to kind of dig in here uh, and learn about how you got into hockey, first of all. Uh, Minnesota kids, you kind of come out of the womb and you put on skates. Uh, what was your, how did you get interested in the game? Was it from your dad or family, or uh, how, how did you get started? So actually, as a uh, kindergartner, the local youth hockey, I was living in Colorado at the time, Sent out a flyer uh, if you wanted to learn how to play hockey to come to the rink and play. And uh, my dad had done some speed skating growing up, so I had skated a little bit on ponds and lakes and all that in Colorado. And I went to the rink and had some fun. And I, did, I just realized it's now the first coach I had was a guy named Paul Nygaard out in Colorado, who's actually from Minnesota. I have no idea if he was if he played at the University of Minnesota or wherever, but he definitely was a college kid. Uh, and then it played over in Europe and Sweden. So I don't know if someone could track that down where That's pretty Paul cool. Nagard was from, but he was my might coach. And then uh, I told you we bounced around a ton as a kid. We moved to uh, Connecticut where I ended up having some great coaches there. Scotty Lachance, his father, and Brian Leach's father were uh, coach from Squirts through Bantams. We had a great group of kids. They made it fun. Uh, they carried this a short This was all bench. the way through? So you played all the way through with in Connecticut then? From squirts until Bantams. So really? Okay. The same team that whole time. We had uh, the, the Mr. Leach and Mr. Lachance kept, kept it short. I think we had, you know, 10, 11 skaters and a goalie. And all of us went on to play college hockey with the exception of uh, Eric Leach, who's Brian's brother. And he played football at Army. But the really? rest of us all played, yeah, Division One or Division Three uh, hockey. And Scott Lachance and I went on to play pro after that. And then... Um, Move to Boston. At, uh, well, wait, slow down, slow down, slow down, slow oh, down. I want to get back to Connecticut here. So I want to okay. understand uh, what a kid from Minnesota, compare it to a kid from Minnesota in the in the 80s, what they were doing compared to a kid from Connecticut. What was it, what was it like? Were you playing just in the neighborhood, playing other kids from New York? Or were you getting, uh, on, were you getting in a car and driving to Boston and driving to New Jersey to play games? Uh, we had to drive around a little bit because there weren't as many rinks. Mm-hmm. Um, but we... You know, I think the the rink that we played in was probably about a half hour from the house where I grew up. Uh, there wasn't like there wasn't a town. I lived in a town called Danbury. There wasn't a youth hockey organization in Danbury at that point. Uh, although now there's a a junior team. There's an NA three team that's in Danbury now. Um, so we we traveled a little bit more. We'd go to tournaments. 
Um, you know, but it wasn't, it wasn't like we were flying all over the place and doing all that kind of stuff, but we definitely did travel. Um, but it was, we played a ton of street hockey, played a ton of rollerblade hockey. Um, just in general, just outside, just a normal kid like like that. But it wasn't it wasn't town based the way it is in Minnesota. Did you play other sports growing up, or was it just like, hey, this is it, hockey's it? No, I played baseball and soccer, and then I did that, and then fo- football in high school, and played lacrosse in high school. Uh, senior year, I didn't play lacrosse. I ended up doing track and field, and I was a pole vaulter. No so, way. But it, yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> so. Wow. But, uh, yeah, we played. I I did. Pretty much any kind of sport I would try to do. The only thing I didn't really play was basketball. But other than that, I was uh, I was pretty game to try anything. All right. So, so um, sorry to cut you off there because this. No this, So one more th- one more thing before we get to to Boston. Um, yep. Sometime as a kid, I don't know what age you were. You you made your way to Minnesota and and went to Minnesota hockey camps with Gringo and the gang out there. What what age yes, was that? Yes, they did. Uh, I would say it was probably a peewee, say like 12, 13, okay. 14, something like that. And My you and father. Dean Grillo are actually the same age, right? Yep. Yeah. So Dino was there and, um, you know, the Ferraro brothers who were from Long Island, they were other East coast kids that ended up going to up to Brainerd. But, uh, I worked with me as my father's, he sold machine tools and stamps and presses to like GM Ford or, you know, G any of the big plants. And so what he would do is he would set up a trip in the summer for work for him to go do his cruise through the, the Midwest. And I would end up in Brainerd for two or three weeks uh whatever it was go to the camp and got to know like that was the first place i ever met darby hendrickson it was uh first place i met her brooks and obviously gringo and there was it was always great i loved it up there it was, it was a blast yeah there's a certain amount of hockey there's a certain amount of not hockey that you, you really kind of grow up my son went there and his favorite part was rollerblading up to town to get ice cream yeah, yeah, it was a blast. Loved it. Just, I mean, not that's all he liked, but he was like, yeah, that was always the coolest thing where we just had free time, you know, to <laughs> to be kids, right? Well, right seems like kids they're not like a lot of free time. time. That's crazy. They love yeah. free time. He loved the free time <laughs> part of it. So, yeah. all right, sorry, I sorry to cut you off, but I knew that was a part of your story, and I thought, oh, I want to, I want to make sure we we got to that. Uh, so then you moved to Boston. So why did you move? What was the what was the impetus for moving? Was it a was it a work thing for your dad, or was yeah, it a hockey no, thing, or a mom thing? Uh, what was it? No, it was work. So um, we were in Connecticut and my dad was working for a company that was based in White Plains, New York, and they were sold to a company in New Hampshire. Okay. And so we, I mean, to, re, to commute from, you know, Southwestern Connecticut to New Hampshire was ridiculous. It would be three and a half, four hour ride. Yep. So we moved to a town called Acton, Mass, which was about 30 minutes south of where he was working in New Hampshire, where the where the plant was, or the yep. the corporate office. So we ended up there. So you must have been and a North Sider in Massachusetts, then, right? I was on the I was north of the Pike, yeah, north of the Mass Pike, yeah. Yeah. So and that, we ended up there. So so my dad could go to uh, New Hampshire for for work, and then from there I was I uh, started playing. I guess it would be midgets. Bands and midgets for the second bands and midgets for a team called the North Shore Raiders, and uh, we had some pretty good, pretty good kids on that team. We had Keith Kachuk, who's a Hall of Famer, um, guy by the name of John Lilly, who was an Olympian, played in the NHL. He's the director of scouting or amateur scouting for Toronto right now, and then a kid named Andy Silverman, who uh, played up at the University of Maine, and that was all uh, one team. One team and our coach was a guy named Jim Fullerton and Jim played major junior with Stevie Casper and came down to Boston when Casper signed with the Bruins and was Casper's roommate. 
and Jim, wow. uh, Jim, Jim coached all of us. So I was lucky as a kid playing youth hockey. I, I had really, I had good coaches. They kept it fun. Uh, they had played at, you know, different levels all over the place from major junior to college to, um, you know, like Mr. Leach was uh last guy cut from, I think the 68 Olympic team. So, or the 60 Olympic team. So it was, um, I was lucky. I had, I had really good coaches growing up who, who kept it fun. So now you're 15, 14, 15 years old. You have choices now. Your parents, your family's got choices as to, to where you're going to play high school hockey in New England. Um, uh, can you walk through those choices? I mean, let's start with the public, and then you go to the Catholic, and then you go to the prep school. Walk through what that looks like, and just so if someone from Minnesota is listening, they might get a grasp of that. So at that, at that time... So in the late eighties, so my freshman year would have been, uh, 87, 88 in Massachusetts. You could still do the, the public schools and the Catholic schools were huge. We're still very, very good. Like the Acton Boxborough where we ended up moving. Uh, we had, we had two arenas that had double sheets in there. One of the rinks was owned by Tommy Brunson's father who ended up being a teammate in Pittsburgh with me. Um, and in Acton Boxborough, we had a ton of kids come through there through that town because of Mr. Barrasso and the multiple rinks that ended up playing college hockey or Olympics. Right. Had like Tommy Barrasso, uh, Alan Borbo was Olympian, uh, Bobby Bourne, uh, the Crowley brothers were Teddy Crowley was Olympian. Joey played pro and played at Boston college. Uh, Mark Barron was a captain of BC. His brother was a captain of Merrimack. Then there were Flanagan brothers that played at Northeastern. Wow. Uh, so there were a ton of kids that came through and there was, I mean, there was a Jimmy Crair, his older brother, Eddie, scored the OT winner for Harvard when they won the national championship. Um, I think that might bite some people in Minnesota's butts. But <laughs> And then Jimmy played at BC with, with me. Um, there's a kid named Ian Colloy. There was a ton of kids who went on and played uh, NESCAC, which is New England Small School College in, in New England that came through to play. But a lot of that had to do with Mr. Brasso having the rink where all the kids could go and just, you know, if there were dead hours, he'd let the kids get on and play shinny and play pickup. Uh, they'd have to play on dirty ice. So it was, it was pretty good, but there were a ton of kids that grew up in that area that came out to play. So in the late eighties, you could still play for Acton Boxborough high school or mid eighties, early eighties. You could still play for Acton Boxborough high school, or you could play, go to a Catholic school, which would be Matt Yon or Catholic Memorial, uh, which would be around, you know, kind of the metro west of Boston where, where kids could go. Where did, and where then, did Keith Kachuk play high school hockey? He played a school called Molden Catholic. Okay. Um, which was north of, north of Boston, probably exact miles. I have no idea, but I would say in between five and ten miles north of town. Um, he was he was there. He was he was a horse. I mean, as a freshman, he was six two, two hundred and ten, fifteen pounds. He was all all conference as a freshman. He was just a, a big big stud. I know. Going back, did you get the sense then that parents and players were positioning themselves to play on super teams back even back then? It's happening today. Um, I just was wondering if you got that sense as a 15-year-old. I don't – to tell you the truth, I don't I don't know if it was positioning to be on super teams, but I do know that there was positioning to have your your, your son play for a good coach. So I know when we moved to Acton, uh, I had the choice for – that's when kids started to play club was right around there when I was the second-year Bantam or midget. Um you know, you had the choices. So there was a there was a town that was close. The town that I was in was Acton Boxborough, and there was a club team called Acibit that all the Acton Boxborough kids went to play for. And then there was the North Shore Raiders, who I who I ended up going to play for. And I remember my father saying, "If you're gonna if you're gonna play for a club team, let's not have a father as a coach. Let's have somebody." So we ended up having, you know, Jim Fullerton, who I said, you know, came down with Stevie Casper, right? Uh, 
you know, to play. So, so we were there. It was, it was a little bit of a ride rather than going, you know, 10 minutes to the rink. We were driving 25, 30 minutes to the rink. But it was, I remember it was about the coaching, not as much about the super team and being with the, being with all the best players. Right. Um, at least that's how it was to me. And I, th- I don't know if the, if the coaches made the players great or if the, all the super kids that got together made, made the coach look good at the time. But for yeah, me, the age old tale, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, for me, each of those coaches I had in youth hockey, you know, I, I took different things from all of them. So, so then you went to play at Belmont prep, Belmont Hill prep. Um, yep. Tell us about where that is in, in conjunction to where you, where your parents lived. Is this right around the corner? Or is this, are you going to stay in, stay in a, in a dorm? What's, what's that? No, like? so it was, uh, so I lived in a town on Acton that was about 20 miles directly west of Boston, maybe a little, little bit Northwest, but pretty much straight West of Boston. If you're looking at a map, there's Concord, uh, which is, you know, historically a big town with you know, Paul Revere and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, so we lived in the town west of that called Acton and Belmont Hill was six miles west of Boston. So we were about 15, 15 miles away from where I went to prep school. Um, all boys school. I had the largest, the class that I graduated with in 91 was the largest class to ever graduate from uh, Belmont Hill. And I think we had 88 or 89 kids in the, in the class, 89 boys. Wow. Um, so know, only yeah. like 200 kids normally, 200, 300 kids. That's it. Yeah. And no, it's not, not very, not very big. Uh, it was a small school. It starts in seventh grade, but it went seven to nine, seven to 12. So it was a, there was a middle school part of it too, which I didn't go to. Uh, so I went nine to nine to 12. Uh, again, all boys they had five day boarding. So you could live there uh, for five days. So basically Sunday night through Friday afternoon if need be, or if you were playing a sport, you could come on Monday morning and then leave on Saturday after your game. Which did you do? Uh, did you stay there or did you? I, no, freshman and sophomore year, I, I was, I lived at home and then junior, uh, junior year, I lived at school during hockey season and senior year, I lived at school for a lot, a lot of hockey season. And then I got asked to leave because I was a general nuisance to dorm life. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't break any rules and never got in trouble, but I was just a general nuisance. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love yeah. it. That's good. That's yeah. good stuff. Yeah. So somewhere in high school, uh, which is which is pretty cool, you were drafted by the Pittsburgh Penguins? Yep. So then the draft was a little bit different. So I got drafted after junior year of high school. Um, yeah, I was drafted. How hard is it to play one. high school hockey when you're already drafted? How hard does it get demotivated? At that point, it was different. There was that's how it was in New England. You know, like Ronick had been a first rounder. Uh, he, had, you know, he was drafted after his junior year. Monty got drafted after his junior year. You know, it was it was different than Teddy Carly was a third or fourth round pick by Toronto. Uh, Stevie Hines was a, was a third round pick by the Bruins. You know, it was it was a different time when the the kids came through there. You were you were drafted pretty much after your junior year. All of us were. Uh, those guys were a couple years older than me, but, but that was just the nature of it. And then you, it's like your senior year and you were expected to keep it together and be a, you know, a role model for the younger kids who were coming up to play in school that were hoping to get drafted the following season and, you know, the following draft. And that's just how, that's just how it went. So there were kids that got drafted the year before, year before me, we had a kid named Jackie Callahan. He was, uh, he was drafted by Chicago, I think in the fifth round. And then I was the sixth round that year. We had a kid that was drafted in the tenth round, Kenny Martin. My my, he was in my grade. And then the following year, we had uh, Jackie Callahan's brother Greg was a fifth round pick by Washington. And 
And then we had a kid named Peter McLaughlin, who was a seventh round pick by uh, the Penguins, who were, were in that class. And then there was, you know, the third of the Callahans that came through. They were dra- he was drafted the following year. So it was it wasn't out of the ordinary to be drafted after your junior year in the in prep school player. All right. So explain to our uh, Minnesota audience the whole New England prep championships. Uh, how many teams do you think total make up the New England prep schools? Are there thirty? Are there eighty? I don't know. How many are that? Say between sixty and seventy. Okay, somewhere in there. And there's so, probably how many leagues? Six out of that. Uh, they, yeah, I'd say six or eight, something like that. I mean, okay. The league that Belmont Hill was in was the Keller League, and then there was the Everhart, and then there was like the Founders League is in Connecticut, and that is Avon Old Avon Old Farms in yep. Westminster, and um, Avon would be where Brian Leach went. Um, Westminster has you know a bunch of kids that have come through as well. There's so there's, I would imagine, just say 60, 65, 70, somewhere total team, something like that. Uh, each team. And has much changed from when you played there in the early 90s to today? Um, there's probably there's probably more schools that have have legitimate programs now or, or you know, Division One programs now. Okay. Uh, when I was when I was coming through, there was Division One and Division Two, and it was totally based on the size of your school. All right. And now there's now they have a New England tournament where they have it. They call it the Elite Eight, and then they have a big school and a small school championship. So there's three separate championships. And when when I was growing up, what's there the was Elite just, Eight? Uh, I, that I've would seen be, this on Twitter, but I'm like, oh, I don't know what that means. What does that mean? So the Elite Eight would be that you can be a big school or a small school. Uh, you just have, um, you know, your 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 record and your one loss against, you know, the metrics against how your record is and how it stands up that you would be taken out of the large school and the small school pools. And you'd be in the elite eight pool where, you know, like a school like St. Mark's is uh, is a smaller school, but they have, you know, a kid named Ian Moore that's probably going to be a second or a third round pick. And they've got a couple other kids that are division one kids. So they would compete. They could potentially compete in the elite eight. Or you have so they, Union they take the cream off the top is what you're saying, and then and then they have a kind of a yeah that's kind of cool. I like that. Yeah. So they, that's the elite eight. But when I was when I was growing up, it was just Division one and Division two. So and were you guys division, a bigger school or a smaller school? We were in the we were Division one. We were a bigger school, okay, even though right. we had that's we had not very big. School. Yeah. So I think it went off of total students, not just the middle school. So from seventh to twelfth, we had. Okay. You know, say 70 kids per class, whatever it would be. All right. Um, so then when I was growing up, you had to win, you had to win your league to be in the New Englands. And then, uh, my freshman year, uh, we won the league we played and we lost to uh, a school called New, ha- to New Hampton in the finals, which had a whole team of postgrads, which I'm guessing that nobody in Minnesota knows what a postgrad is. Oh, I didn't know what a postgrad was until I followed you on Twitter. And you kind yep. of, you like to take shots at these guys, don't you? No, uh, it all depends. <laughs> no, no, I'm usually, pre- I'm usually pretty nice. Oh, I'm actually really nice. I, I just, I'm just saying yeah. on Twitter, you were, you had, a, had one of your rants or whatever you want to call them. And yeah. it was about a, a, a kid. It was a, it was a post-grad kid. It was kind of chirping someone who was 15 years old. And you're like, Hey, pick on, it was kind of a pick on your, someone your old size kind of thing. More or less. Yeah. So, but it has nothing to do with ability. It has to do with just being a normal human. A good right. Human. Right. So, yeah. um, yeah, so that we lost to New Hampton, which is a team of, of postgrads, which is, 
at that point was the switch of when, so in 88 was basically the switch of when the kids stopped or the players stopped going from their public or Catholic schools to prep schools. So New Hampton was a, was a PG school, post-grad school where it would take 20 kids that had come out of a public or a Catholic school around Massachusetts and whether they needed another year academics, they needed another year to mature, another year hockey, whatever, they went to uh, New Hampton to play. So we lost my freshman year to New Hampton in the first round of the New England's my sophomore year. We did not win our league. We lost uh, Lawrence Academy and ended up winning it. And that was a team that had Stevie Hines, who played for the Bruins. Teddy Crowley was an Olympian who played in Toronto. Mark Barron was a uh, captain at BC. Uh, their goalie, they had a couple of kids that played at UNH. Couple of kids that went to Providence, so that was at Lawrence. We lost to them my sophomore year, and then my junior year we won our league and we won the New Englands. And my senior year we won our league and we lost in the finals in overtime in the New England Championship. Who did you lose to? Uh, we lost to Tabor, who had the Ferraro brothers, who were actually at Minnesota hockey camp with me when I was younger, and a kid named Robbie Laferrier, who ended up being Alex Laferrier's uh, father, who should be a probably a third round pick this year who's playing out in Des Moines he's going to Harvard um so they had that team and uh and that was that was it so has anyone ever called you an encyclopedia before <laughs> nope <laughs> okay well I just no, want to be first me, I want to be first me, they called me lots of things not, I, not that. but never encyclopedia. you literally you just machine gunned like half of the late 80s early 90s uh college players and draft picks that was pretty impressive I felt badly that I didn't mention the New Hampshire goalie was a guy named Brett Abel. So <laughs> there you go. There you go. Yeah. There yeah. you go. All right. Um, so where are we going to go from here? You, you've played college hockey uh, at, at yeah. Boston College uh, for two seasons. You played in the World Champion. You played in the World Juniors. Played twice. You played in the World Championships. Quite yeah. a quite a decorated run before you even put on a a uh, a professional hockey sweater. Yeah, it was fun. I was. Uh... I was lucky. I was fortunate. Like I said, I had the good coaches that, you know, made it, made it fun to play. It made us want to go to the rink and they taught us how to play. Um, you know, so it was great. I think it was different then because there's no uh, development program like they have now. So for my age group, the, I was, I'm a 72 birth year for the 72s. We had a select 16 uh, group that went to Colorado Springs and tried out, uh, which would have, this was after my freshman year in high school, but you know, I'm not sure why I'm telling you this, but I ended up getting to know some Minnesota kids there with Craig Johnson and Derby Hendrickson and, and those guys. And then the 17s we were together. And then the 18s, that whole group of kids was on. Uh, Craig Johnson and Derby were on the, the first, World Juniors. We were juniors in Saskatoon. And then the second year, uh, we won a, a bronze over in Germany. And that was primarily that group of kids that were the 16s and 17s that, that kept on moving up together. So you had a good group of good bonding there. Yeah, yeah, it was great. And then, you know, two of those, Skyler Chance and Keith Kachuk played on the 92 Olympic team. And then the rest of us were with the 94 team. And then I got uh, myself and Chris Ferraro, again, name game, uh, were the last two guys cut from the 94 team. And Chris ended up going back to University of Maine, and I ended up signing with Pittsburgh next day. In 94, so, after you didn't yeah. make the Olympic team, right? Yep, yeah, exactly. So I got gassed and, and signed with Pittsburgh right away, and uh, Ferraro, uh, Chris Ferraro went back. So you have a string. We were just literally before the show. We were kind of going through some of the rosters, some of the guys that you played with, and it was it was amazing that how many of these guys are now back in Minnesota 
and really entrenched in the Minnesota model uh, and Minnesota, Minnesota, coaching Minnesota hockey. So, like, Sean Podine was on your team. I mean, yep. you know, this guy, I, I said his name to you. What was the first thing that came out of your mouth? Oh, he's a beauty. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I, I gotta know because I only met Sean in this occupation. I gotta know what was what was he as crazy then as he is now, or is he even crazier? Because I can tell you that uh, he's a he's a free spirit, and uh, you never know what's gonna come out of his mouth. What was it like playing with him? So we were in the world championships together. Uh, I was he was after a season in the school. He was like playing pro. Actually, I don't know where he was. Uh, I want to say at that point he was playing in Cornwall. Yeah, uh, and he was just a lot of energy. He was loud in the locker room in a good way. Um, he, you know, a college kid, I was pretty wide-eyed to the guys who were playing pro. I uh, didn't really know anything about him coming out of there, or you know, going into the whole situation. But he was, he was just a you know a pro that was really good to the college kids that were playing on that team. And I remember he was just a ton of fun. And like you said, he was a he's a free spirit, and he was he was just a really really good guy to all of us. So I was looking at that world championship team and Derek Plant was on the team too. And the yep. here's a small world. Derek Plant uh, and Sean coached in the brick together, whatever, 20 years ago. Really? Later. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so. then it turns out they were good. They've turned out to be pretty good friends of mine and their, and their boys, Max and, and Junior, which is Sean Junior, are just fantastic young players here in Minnesota. Oh, nice. Yeah. So Planter is another one who was at Minnesota hockey camp with me when I was a kid. And then he was he was up in uh, Cloquet. Cloquet, yep. yep. So we played played on those U.S. teams together. He's a year older than me. Unbelievable college player. Uh, him and Brett Howard at Duluth. And uh, so then we played in the World Championships. Howard was on that World Championship team. Howard was on that World Championship team too. Yep, he uh, was. College kids that played. Uh, so Duluth had two kids that were playing. Um, but yeah, like I, I had a ton of the Minnesota kids were always great. We had a blast with them. So you talked about uh, was Craig Johnson and Darby were they on this sixteen team that went out to Colorado yeah. Springs? What were yeah. they like? I mean, I know them now. Again, kind of the same thing. I know them as adults. As uh, Craig's involved with the Los Angeles Kings and Darby's with the Wild here, uh, they're very mature now and they're very smart. And their kids are really good hockey players and they're they're very well behaved parents. And what were they like? What were they like as sixteen year olds? You know, I mean, we don't really get that. We don't get a flavor of that. We you know where they. Were they leaders? They were, were they quiet? What were they like, those two? Because they're really good guys now. Uh, they were they were good kids. They were good guys. Um, you know, they were uh, the crew of kids, and we were going to try out for that sixteen year old team. They were like mythic figures. They were names that the guys in the in the East were trying to figure out who they were. Uh, I I knew about Darby just from Minnesota hockey camp, so I could talk about him. Um, you know, I remember just about John's that he had as a 16 year old, he was long and lanky he had real long strides and, you know, he was really fast and a powerful kid. Um, you know, a ton of skill. He was, he was a really smart player. He's kind of goofy on the ice mode. I think we all were, uh, Darby, Darby was Darby played exactly the same way as a 15 and 16 year old as he did when he played pro. He was smart, very, very skilled. Um, He's a good skater, you know, escapability, all that kind of stuff. Uh, 
Darby had an awesome mullet growing up. I'm not sure if he still He's, does or not, but it was no, sick. No, but it was sick. Was sick. It was yeah. sick. It was probably some of the best you'd ever seen, it I was, think. It was great. I always thought he needed to use more product, but it was <laughs> uh, it was legit. It was legit mullet. So, but those good, they were they were great. But they honestly, for us coming out of the East, going to that tryout, which is in Colorado Springs, they were they were two names that were just like, you know, they, I don't want to say they were guys, but they were like something we were all trying to figure out. You know, How to could be? We, could we could could we keep up with the Minnesota kids? And they were the, they were the two names that we were that we talked about the most, which is kind of weird at a time before there was any kind of social media or anything. But those are the names that somehow trickled back to us. That's that's we, classic. Yeah. That's classic. Yeah. So some point you also play with Trent Clatt too, and when here's a guy that w- played with those guys at, at the University of Minnesota, he was a Mister Hockey as well. What yeah. are your, what are your thoughts on Big Trent Clatt? Because he was he was like a bowling ball. Could not stop. Platter was, yeah, he was uh, he was on that world junior team, and then um, they played against him when he was in when he played pro, especially when he was in Philly. Just a, just a strong kid, both uh, real honest player. Um, you know, Philly at that point they were they were a pretty tough team. They had a legion a legion of doom with Leclerc, Lindros, and um, Michael Renberg. So you you know you were aware, but then they had Bodine was on that team, Clatter was on that team. So you had guys like that played hard, but you know, Clatter and Podine, they were honest. Um, just really strong kids. They were a little bit little bit different with how the, how they played. Uh I think Podine was probably more reckless and more out of control, where Clatter was uh skilled and good at memories wherever he'd been and had kind of adjusted his role to be uh to be a contributor at an NHL level. But he was he was real quiet and serious. Um not not like Podine at all. Podine was a little bit more uh, free spirit. <laughs> a beauty. Uh, yeah, beauty. Yeah. So we before with show we were just started rattling off names. The first name you threw at me of all the names was Brian Bonin. Why was yes. why did that one jump out at you right away? I mean, literally, it was like man. You when I said Minnesota guys, you went Brian Bonin. What stands out for me? Whatever Brian reason Bonin? we were we were talking about White Bear Lake. Oh, that's what it was. Right, 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 right. White yes. Bear Lake. and uh, It was Cam you know, Berg from the Minnesota yes, list. Yes. We're, we're going to go over later. There's a spoiler. We're talking about so, Minnesota kids. Yeah, so it came from that. And now it just popped into my head. I just remembered. So when I was a freshman at Belmont Hill, we came out to Minnesota, and we played at Dinah, and we played Bloomington Jefferson at the Met Center. I hadn't thought about that in years. But we, whoa, we came out whoa, 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 yes. whoa, 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 whoa. Pump the brakes yep. now. Yeah. So I got deep breath here. So what year was this? 87, 88. And we played at the Met. Yep. What? How many people were there? I don't remember, but I remember that both schools put their girl, their girlfriends, put the cheerleaders directly behind their bench in front of all boys school in New England. That was really something else to have <laughs> directly behind your bench. <laughs> was it sold out? I mean, because that Christmas tournament was a big deal. At it the was Men's jammed. Center. I remember. I remember it was jammed. I remember it was absolutely packed. Yeah, so I you're, tell you you're a prep school kid. You come out. Yeah. I don't even remember. I remember a team from, from out east coming, and it's since then been banned. But but yeah. I remember I remember going to that tournament religiously uh, at the Met Center over Christmas, and it was just like a family reunion, a hockey family reunion. Everybody would go to it because Edina was yeah. playing, and they would always get Hill Murray. They would get really good teams to play, and the fact that they got you guys to come. This, and I know yeah. who did it. I read, the, I read on, a, on a forum recently about this game actually the, the athletic director he died is named bud bierke somehow he was able to pull it off to get you guys to come there what were you guys thinking when you're coming 
I just remember we were really excited about it. I don't, I mean, I really and truly, I remember that the, the, uh, that it was a good crowd, but I remember that the cheerleaders were directly behind our bench. We're I back at the cheerleaders dying. again, right? Come on, this is a hockey podcast. <laughs> and, I remember, <laughs> and I remember uh, Dinah's uniforms, and I remember Jefferson's uniforms. And I think, did Chris Tucker play for Jefferson? Yes, he did. Yes, he yeah, did. And Chris Tucker was playing, and he had ridiculous That's- long blonde hair. That uh, I, I couldn't tell you who won or lost, but I can tell you random things like that. Well, Tommy um, Peterson would have been the star of the Tommy show. Yeah, he would have been I the star of the show. Sure. They're an '88 Jefferson team, and the '88 yeah. Edina team actually won the state title that year. So you played against you know yeah. two of the best teams in the state. So what yeah, a, what a memory! What what happened with the game? But again, we have it was very strategic for the Minnesota high schools to put their cheerleaders behind our bench of an all boys school. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, and they had low glass back then, so you could probably yeah, even smell their perfume and everything, right? Like it well, was... I, was, I was too focused for that, but yeah, no, it was. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure, I'm sure. Yeah. Well, that's a good. Yeah. One. And then another two you barked out. These are city kids. Uh, one I grew up with, Tom Shorsky and and yep. Joe Dietzik in Pittsburgh as well. Yeah. Uh, what were the What were you thinking when, when these guys start talking? Did they have funny accents? Did they talk funny? Uh, did they talk like I mean, because Chorsky and Zizek, these are big guys, you know. So They're Chorsky, ripped. So I didn't play. I played with Chorsky later, but I played with Joey Dizik right away. Uh, I think it was my second or third year pro. Um, and then Joey came, and we had it's kind of funny story about. Uh, Joe is that our nickname for Lemieux was Ace, so everybody called Ace called Mario Lemieux Ace. And that's, you know, that's how you could kind of tell when you, when you started playing with Mario was by his nickname is Ace. And we were, it was right like the first or second week of the season when Joey was there and he looked and he's like, geez, if his, his nickname is Ace, I got to be Deuce. And, and Joey, Joey Dizek turned into Deuce from that second forward. <laughs> so, yeah, so Joey was Deuce. And uh, he was great. He was a big, strong, athletic kid. Uh, he was built like an absolute truck. He was strong as hell. Um, you know, he's just power forward and it was, uh, I think he ended up getting a stick in the eye, right? Yeah. Had to yeah it was an that. eye. It was definitely an yeah. eye injury of some sort that ended yeah. in knocking him out of the game. Yeah. And, uh, let's see. I remember, I remember playing with Joey. We played together in the minors and we played together in Pittsburgh and then with, uh, that was with the Deuce, and then with Chor, he he came probably in the late '90s to Pittsburgh. I don't know what what year it was, but uh, we played with Chor, and uh, he was just a he was another one of those kids that you know grew up in Minnesota. That was like a mythic figure for somebody from the East. I think he was the first ever uh, Mr. Mr. Hockey, right? Yep, yep. And you know he was. Do you Olympic know team. this? Do you know this about him when you're playing with him that he's Mr. Hockey in Minnesota? I did. I was like a. I was like a nut. Like I. Read I can't believe I that. I, I can't believe so, that you would be that way. I've already called you an encyclopedia. Um, you know, which is kind of weird because at the time, like there was no internet where you could look all that crap up. So I was, I was digging all through the hockey news. I mean, I was, I devoured the hockey news and hockey digest and any hockey magazine you could get. I, I read it and I knew, I knew everything I could know about everybody. Um. Kind of led to me probably being able to talk crap when I was playing because I knew stuff about people that I shouldn't know. But it was um, no, but I knew Chor for sure. Like he was, I mean, I can picture the picture of him winning Mister Hockey in my head from just being Jeez, a kid. But that's pretty he solid. Was, he was, um, you no, know, it was really cool to really cool to play with him. I remember he was just he was another kid. He was strong. 
he, he, this is going to sound bizarre, but he like, he didn't have a chest, but he had fucking, sorry for swearing, but he had massive uh, shoulders and arms and forearms. He was just really strong on the puck and he could really protect it and hold it out there and string you out as a defenseman and he could extend plays and he, he was a really good, really good skater, really smooth. Uh-huh. Um, so, but that was, yeah, that was Chor and, Chor and Deuce. Chor and Deuce. Well, here's yeah. a story about, here's a quick story about Chor. We were growing up and, you know, I had, I had, uh, we, we call in our house, they called him Popeye because he had literally Popeye forearms when he was like eight years old. <laughs> and what's the, what's the woman on Popeye? What was her name? Olive was, oil. Olive, and I was olive oil. I had nothing, right? <laughs> and my brothers would just rip on, you know, just, they, they played that guy up. Like, he'd come over and he would leave thinking he was a world champion. Like, oh, Tom, you're the uh, greatest. He was, he was a world champion. Oh, I know. But they were just, but they just pumped his tires like no tomorrow. But, uh, yeah. but they yeah. said, yeah, he's they, a, he's they a would, good man. They would get into a little wrestling match with, you know, they were eight years older, right? They were 20 yeah. years old. We were 10, 11, and they'd get in a wrestling match. And Tom could put up a fight with 20 year olds even when he was 10 yeah. years old. He was a strong yeah. kid. He's a good man. Well, I am. This is fascinating. You've proven yourself as a valid uh, evaluator of of just hockey <laughs> names. So we're going to talk about <laughs> hockey players. And then we'll talk okay. about the path that, that the best path to the NHL or whatever. And so, so what I did is I constructed our our list of the NHL scouting final report, and I have all okay. of our Minnesota guys. And 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 if you're if you don't hear your name called, uh, that's strategically because you Ian hasn't seen him so i'll use joe miller for example he's not seen a lot of joe miller so we're not going to talk about joe miller as an evaluator i just want to get your quick little take on on a handful of these guys that made the final uh central scouting final rankings and heading into the nhl draft we're all done right you you will not see another player other than film i'm sure you're watching lots of film on these guys leading into the draft oh yeah okay we can watch now yeah (laughs) all right so so let's Talk about your role at Neutral Zone, uh, specifically to the NHL draft, and what does Neutral Zone do, and then how can you fu- sign up for Neutral Zone? All right, so Neutral Zone is a scouting service, and how how we came to be was four years ago. So this four, it was actually 2015, but it was the this year's 2002 draft class uh, would be like the first year that we have, you know, four plus years of notes on. So how we came to be there was a our uh, our owner is a guy named Steve Wilk. He's from Vermont. He had a son that was growing up that played played prep school at a school called Holderness. Yeah, um, I had a friend of mine from Minnesota went there. All right, so he went to Holderness, and when he was coming out of Holderness, he really and truly had no idea where he lined up with where where he should go to school. Was he you know so was he a five star kid? And five star would be like Jack Hughes from last year's right. draft or Capocaco or you know they're like the the studs studs. And then you know so you know where does where did where did Steve's son fall into into the hockey world there? And everyone you know you have all these people. I don't know how it is in Minnesota, but you have all these all these guys that are advisors that you know tell you they can get you Division One and they can do this and that. And they're the ones that can get you someplace. And um. So what Steve was really didn't know where his son fell into line and he ended up going to Connecticut college and playing and, you know, he had a totally fine college experience, but he was done playing hockey after his sophomore year. And his, his Steve's kid is a teacher now, which is, you know, great, but Steve wondered if there was another option or, you know, would have been, you know, would have been able to keep playing. Could he have PG, could he have played junior to have a different option? Cause he's a big kid. He was like six foot two and, 
you know, just kind of maybe needed more time to grow into himself, whatever. So, yeah. uh, Steve got together with a guy named Brendan Collins, who's been scouting an amateur scout in the Northeast, um, working for U.S. Hockey Report for a while. And they partnered to start Neutral Zone. And as the name would imply, Neutral is that we are neutral with the guys we evaluate and the players we evaluate. And um, basically try to give a lineup of where realistically that player is, that family is, uh, and where their, their hockey you know, can take them. And, it, you know, obviously, so we, we based off a star system. We started, it would be five years ago now, but it was, you started the year it was four. So say five seasons ago now, we started with the five stars and down to roughly a two and a half. Yep. What we've come to, it was, so it was based off of, you know, with football, they have rivals, yep. the rival system, like the kids. So it's kind of based off of rivals. And um, what we've come to realize is that, you know, five car, five stars are the studs, you know, first rounder. Um, yep. And then it kind of, you know, um, you know, varies going down to the air, but like a three, seven, five is a kid who's going to be, he's still a hell of a good hockey player. Uh, he's going to be a D one kid. He, there's D three, seven, fives that are going to get drafted. Um, you know, but a three, seven, five to a three, five is kind of the cut from where you're division one to a division three kid. And yeah. those are the, those are the kids. And, and, where, and let's <laughs> be honest, the three, seven, fives sometimes don't make it right. Don't make sometimes it to college. Three, sometimes three seven fives don't make it, and sometimes three two fives do. I just did a report on a kid named Tanner Dickinson, and I did this whole history of how we how we went through. And you know, this you know Dickinson, he's playing in the OHL right now. He's for Sioux Greyhounds, but he could you know realistically, he's probably five eleven, like one hundred and fifty pounds right now. If he weighed one seventy five, he's a top two round pick. You know, he's a talented kid. He's very skilled and skates well. But as the year went on, he kind of got worn down. Yep. So, but you know, a couple of years ago, he was a three, two, five, you know, so you, you can kind of see how somebody's tracks and they go up and down or where they are in the progression of where, where they are. And, you know, for, for Dickinson, you know, he's, he's a kid, he's going to end up getting drafted. How does, how does that affect him? Who knows? But if, uh, you know, we have NHL teams that are clients, we have, you know, division one programs that that our clients division three we have all the junior program we have major junior we have bchl we have, you know maritime junior leagues you name it we have junior le- leagues that are uh teams or clients scouts what's a college coaches, explain to what the, the client vendor relationship what the, what's that look like uh it's just, it's, a, it's subscription based okay. so it's you know 20 or 30 bucks a month to have access to everything we have a boys side and a girl side so depending on what you want to have access to it, it varies per month um you know, you could have different where you could have, a you know, one person log on or you could have multiple persons log on so that you and I could share the same log on and yep. same uh, password and all that stuff. Um, you, know, you get in and it's, you know, for someone like me, like we just played the name game going through where Darby Hendrickson and Craig Johnson, you know, for, right. for say that the, for this year, it's definitely interesting because there's no there's no national camps. Right. So last year, the 2004s were the first year going to the national camp to Buffalo to be part of the national program this yep. year. Well, you know. This year, there's no 2005s. That you know, none of those camps are going on. So there's, we're getting tons of phone calls, or I'm getting tons of phone calls from college coaches that are looking to put together a list of the top 05s in the country, the top 05s in you know the Northeast or by region, however it is, because they're trying to get a feel for what's out there. Because the the national camp and the regional camps, they don't can't exist. see them. So actually, your your service becomes yeah. more valuable, right, for having yeah. seen these so, 05s. Yeah, exactly. So. What we what we started doing so this year with the 05s, you know, we started last summer 
just watching and trying to get names at, at various tournaments, you know, whether they be in the Northeast or Midwest, a couple in Ontario or out West, you know, where we would just have the names and we could get them in the system, no rankings, no stars, no anything on them, just so we'd have a name, know where they played, know the tournament they were in, yeah. have, have the background of how they did in the tournament, who they, who the comps were, all that kind of stuff. And then at Christmas time this year, in the Northeast, they had a couple of, of you know good tournaments that were 05s. Because not all the 05s are playing prep school; they're playing U14 this past year. Yeah, for sure, it's their so, Banamir, right? Yeah, so we go and we watch the 05s and put together, and then we start you know saying, "Hey, this is the top 05 in this area. This is the top 05 in New York. Here's the top 05 in Chicago." We send guys out to Silver Sticks. We're the top guys in the Silver Sticks. We're the top guys out west in the in the WHL um, Cup. You know that kind of stuff. So yep. we know the 05s. And then knowing or hoping that this in the spring, like right now, they'd be having all the regional camps. So the Massachusetts regional camp would have gone on, I think, last weekend where we would have gone. There would have been 80 some kids or 120 kids. And then from there, they cut it down to the final 40. And those 40 kids, there's, I want to say, 12 forwards and 8D that are selected to go to the national camp. And whatever they do with goalies, they do with goalies. So none of that, none of that existed this year. And so we're we're getting phone calls from prep schools uh junior teams you and, name it, and college right? coaches wanting to know about 05s which i say in 05 and everyone's like oh they're so young da, da, da. like no five really isn't that young they're 15 they're you know they're getting drafted in the whl's and 05 draft yeah uh the o the 04s are just got drafted in the ohl and the quebec league draft is coming up you know the 04s are part of the national program now they got the national development team and they're you know but that's that's kind of how how we we've broken it down and where we are. So we have clients that are we have NHL teams, we have we have Division One programs without a doubt. We have Division Three programs. For Division Three program, we, we're a great resource because they probably don't have the recruiting budget to get out and see all the tournaments and see everyone. And we've got you know, heading into the coronavirus, we had seventy scouts that were on payroll that were out at different events and watching different things. I um, believe it. I'm amazed have, by all how many. For us at Youth Hockey, of how many Division Three coaches reach out to us about these bubble yeah. players? You know, like yeah, it's amazing. What they what 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 they're asking is, and is it whether they're good enough to play at this level? They're asking me, have they gotten interest from any Division One schools yet? Should we start? Yeah. You know, I'm like, yep. and I'm like, no, no, yes, no. You know, so they want to know yeah. if they have a chance. Why bother with the relationship if they've already? you know, if they're already down the road with a division one opportunity. Right. I mean, so just being honest, so the, our guy that runs the U S scouting is a guy named Brian Murphy who was the head coach at Tufts university for 20 years. Well, um, who's going to know it better, right? Right. So he's, he's unbelievable at differentiating between the division one and division three kids. I mean, he's the one who, who explained the players to me, like the breakdown of who the judge is to be a division one and in a division three division three kid. Um, but he, he's unbelievable and he does a great job with with that with that area. I'm not lying, like I have I have a real hard time with you know who's who's gonna be that player that is a NESCAT kid or who's gonna be a kid that's gonna end up playing at an Ivy League if they have the same grades, who's who's gonna be what's the differentiator there? Uh where I'm I'm better at It is kids. hard, isn't it? It's really hard. It really is. It, like, I mean, we're talking again between these three and the three point seven five range. Yep. It's it's incredible, and they're they're very similar. It could be the difference between you know, height and weight. Like I just talked about that kid Dickinson, that if he put on twenty five pounds, he's, he's 
borderline division one kid, but he weighs 150. Does he, is he going to be able to put that weight on? You know, I know his father's not a big guy. He's a pretty slight fella. So is he going to be able to, to put that on? So, but you know, for the Northeast with the prep schools, you know, you, all those kids are, or not all those kids, I would say 90, 90, 95% of those kids are going to end up in an NESCAC school. So academically, where do they, where they set, where do they go? Tufts is in the NESCAC. He's, he's great at, what are the what are the letters for MESCAC? Because what you're basically taking for Minnesota, that's called the MIAC. So what is that? What are the letters? Ne- M? NESCAC. So it's New England Small Schools. It's New England Small Athletic Conference, and they okay, just call it cool. a Small College Athletic Conference, and they call it NESCAC. And it would be Wesleyan won it this year, but so it's Wesleyan, Tufts, Bowden, Middlebury, Colby, Williams, Amherst. Um, they're all schools that are small uh, liberal arts schools that are unbelievable schools academically um you know they're usually set off tufts is the only one that it really has a city city feel that's in that's in, in boston. Uh, in boston you know basically right where keith kachuk grew up probably about a mile from where he grew up in Medford. um but it's there there are schools there that you know there's definitely kids that are playing in those nescac schools that could have gone on to play junior and been a division one kid and rather than taking the two years to go play in the USHL or the Nall or wherever they wherever they might go, they say screw it and they're just heading into college and getting it going right now. So, so. your day to day scouting, uh, obviously yep. you're not scouting today, um, is focused mostly ninth ninth through twelfth grade hockey players. So what I what I primarily focus on yeah. are are draft eligible. So this year, I'm so you're just at, the seventeen and eighteen year olds. Yeah, you know, I'm looking at, you know, if there's OOs that uh, that have slid through, you know, maybe they're a late bloomer, maybe they're, you know, I'm looking at the late ones that didn't qualify for last year, and I'm looking at the O2s that are eligible for this year. And I've spent, you know, 95% of my time from, uh, basically, I left national camp last year for the O4s, which was the last camp, basically from that point until... Uh, four or five days ago, I'd say 95% of my time was watching draft eligible kids, whether it be going to Sweden or USHL, NAL, college games, prep school games. I told you I wasn't able to get out to Minnesota. I wanted to get out for the state tournament and just couldn't do it with everything that happened. I've got my timeline all screwed up about when the tournament was, but right. you know, that was my, that was my bite to get out there to see the kids that were playing Minnesota high school. That was part of the that was when I, I thought it would be the best opportunity to see them when they've got the pressure on them and the crowds, and I wanted to see that experience, that whole that whole get up because I thought it would just be an unbelievable yeah. experience for myself yeah. and for the kids. So, um, you know, but I've watched a ton, I watch a ton of games on tape. I watch, we have, uh, the hockey TV is unbelievable where you can just basically type in a kid's name and you can watch whatever, whatever you want to watch. So for kids ta- playing in the- every player is tagged in hockey TV. No, but you just do teams and you just make it. E- I mean, it's real easy to watch. Oh, like, right. I mean, like it's so like I watch, you know, you get a kid like, um, Alex Safarier, just because I just talked about his dad. But yep. so you watch, watch. He played prep school last year. I know him from prep school. I know what he was like in prep school. He had a lot of swagger. He was, he was the man, and he knew it. You know, went out and he, he gets Des Moines, to Des Moines, right? Yeah, he gets to Des Moines uh, opening weekend in the fall classic. He's got it going on. He's feeling it. You know, so what I what I do is then I watch. You know, it's not varying games over the course of the year, but you know, since everything's shut down, I'll take games from Alex from the start of the year in Des Moines, go all the way right through, um, you know, get from the World Junior Hockey Challenge all to the games that they, they lose their last game. I watch the progression of how I think he's, you know, 
has he matured? Is he, you know, you know, he's going to skate well, you know, he's a shooter, you know, what is he doing away from the puck? How right. is he, how is he, how is he handling the long grind of the season? The junior, the junior season for the kids coming out of the Northeast prep school is a, is a totally different grind than the prep school where you're getting cookies and milk at lunch to, you know, riding on a bus. Right. So, you know, just that kind of stuff. And then I put together a report on, on Alex and how I think, he, how I think he, you know, what I found, what I found is I think he found a swagger back as the, as the year went on. It was almost like he saw the end of the prep school season or end of the end of the prep school, end of the uh, junior season was there. And he started to really pick it back up again down the stretch. And he's a kid I think would have done really well, you know, in the last month or so or five oh, weeks of, of the, the USHL, USHL team kept yeah. going on, you know, where there's other kids, you know, I'll do the same thing. Like we have, you can watch BCHL on hockey TV. And then I've got the WHL, uh, package where you can watch all those games in the ohl and the quebec league so i watch put together a preliminary list of kids at the beginning of the year which would be a similar list to like central scouting but i've got different kids on there just because i watch i like different things and than they like and you know that's the way it is how many um, hours a day are you doing that like if we weren't in covid um yep. and there's a there's a there's always kind of a lag the spring break lag right so there's yep. let's just say it's uh from mid-march to mid-april uh, what are you going to go watch in, in that time if there wasn't COVID? Mid-March to mid-April would have been uh, the 40-man camp for the U.S. team. Yep. The OHL Cup uh, would hit some USHL playoffs, would hit some OHL playoffs, would hit some Quebec League playoffs, and then come down, um, you know, I would end up watching college games, watch live. I mean, right in Boston, there's enough college teams that you can get too close. You can see those, You can see all those live. So I think it's, if you, you have to see kids play live just so you can see how, how their manner for me, like I like how to see the interactions with the the teammates, like see the interactions with the other kids. I like to see how they interact with the refs. I want to see how they respond to coaching. You know, you can't see all that kind of stuff all the time when you're watching on tape, but once you've got a feel for the kid and you've seen them live a couple of times, you can watch on tape and, and, and get a pretty good idea what's, what's going on and how they're, how they're feeling, you know, there's times that you can tell a kid's hurt. There's times you can tell a kid's banged up um, just by the nature of how he's playing. And then you try to judge, you know, is he playing through a true injury? Is he, you know, is he playing with a separated shoulder? Is he have like a broken pinky that he can keep playing with? Or is he a kid who's just, you know, totally got worn down by the year? And, you know, is that, how is that going to impact his draft? And how is that going to impact how he trains in the summer to move forward? I no. had a I had a guy. You're talking about these little tiny things. I had a, I had a college coach who's now a Division One coach. Uh, he was an assistant at the time. He said, "He goes, you know, one of the things I always look at is kid comes out of the locker room. Does he go talk to his mom or not? It's one of the first yeah. things I want to do. Like, why is that? He goes, well, because I want to find out if he's loyal or not. If he's yeah. or if he's not into himself. Because he goes talk to his mom. He's going to be loyal to everybody else on the team. I was like, wow, that's pretty deep, yeah. you know? Yeah. Yeah, I think there's definitely different guys watch different things. Um, you know, I know, I know father, fathers, I know scouts that really want to just see uh, how the kid interacts with his parents just to see if he's respectful. Yes. Uh, you know, see if he big times him or not. I definitely do that without without a doubt. Uh, I also, I look to see uh, if the mother is tall or if she's athletic, if she walks like an athlete, because that usually is where the kid gets it from. Uh, and I don't the mean mom. to sound like I don't mean to sound like a creep when I say that, but no, 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 you, you don't. Know, it's, so it's not like it's, never the dad. You don't look at the dad if the dad has swagger or not. Um, not as much. I, I usually, I think a lot of times you could have a father who, you know, believes that he was ruined by a high school coach that didn't play him, and he's got, he's 
he's living vicariously through his kid where I think the, I think the mother's just a little bit different. Um, but I definitely, I definitely pay attention to see how the kids come out and they treat their parents in the parking lot after games. I mean, there's at the, you know, at the fall classic, everybody, not that I'm different than anyone else, but I'd sit in the car and just watch how the kids warm up. Look who's got enthusiasm. Look who's dragging their ass. Look who's, look who's yeah. fired up to go. I mean, for those kids in the, in the fall classic, that's the biggest opportunity. They're going to have every NHL team there. They're going to have every team in college hockey there. They're going to have everything. If you look at a kid that he's got no personality, no gumption, then what's going to happen when he's playing in January? Yeah, it's true. That that event is one of a kind, you have to admit. Yeah, I mean, it's, 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 no one's not there. You know what I mean? Yep. Yeah, it's a, no it's a great event. Not so. there. Um, all yeah. right, let's talk some Minnesota players. Um, so okay. we, we got your background. Uh, we know you're an encyclopedia. I'm going to give you some tests here on a few of the Minnesota players that are in Central Scouting. Um, all right. So the number one player listed by Central Scouting. Well, first of all, what's your opinion of Central Scouting? Because you're sort of the same thing in a way. Obviously, I think, they do, I think they do a good job. They really do. I think so, too. There are days where I'm like – I obviously study where they were in, you know, midterm to here. And I'm like, oh, I didn't yeah. think that I actually thought Evan Bushy got better. I, I thought this guy got worse or, you know what I'm saying? So, yeah. cause we look at, I mean, I only have to look at out of these lists. I don't have to look at 30 of these guys. They got to look at 400, right? Yep. So yep. it's a little, way harder for them that, than it is for you and I. Yeah. All right. Wyatt Kaiser defenseman headed to Minnesota Duluth this fall. Uh, I like Kaiser. I think he, uh, he, I think with us, he's a B minus. Um, okay. so we break it down a little bit different with a B and C and a, a, I think he's a B minus. Um, I saw him play at the beginning of the year more than I saw him play at the end of the year. He, you know, he's a lot of, geez, you got me right here. Um, yep. I don't know. I just like how he played. I remember early in the year, he's competitive. Katie boxed out well in the defensive zone. He wasn't a puck watcher. He, uh, he did little things. I like to, if I'm watching watching an defenseman and a puck goes to the point, do they drift out, you know, toes up towards the point, or are they able to maintain their positioning to as a net front to block that block the forward out trying to get there? I thought he was really good at that. Um, I remember the first game I saw him play in the fall class. He got absolutely smoked in the rink that the Penguins practice in, and really? I wondered if he was going to get up, wonder if he was going to respond, and he ended up uh, stayed focused, stayed into it, didn't leave, maintained his his composure in the D zone. Um, you know, and and played out the shift, but I think he's a high upside kid. I'm a I'm a huge fan of defensemen that go to Duluth. I think they they're they're going to be playing in high leverage situations. Uh, at least they have been over the last four or five years, and they're they're producing defensemen. Uh, oh, yeah. Obviously, some of the best. So, and I think he's he's a kid that's going to go there and he's going to thrive. Here's another one uh, that I'm sure you've seen a lot of from the National Development Program. Uh, Brock Faber from Maple Leaf. Faber, yep. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a big fan of him. Uh, I remember at the start of the year, I had heard that he had grown about an inch, inch and a half heading into this year. And he was one of the kids that I had looked for outside to see how he was warming up to see if he was taller than he is or than he was listed as. And I think he's grown. He's really, he's got really, really good feet. He's got a great first touch. Um, moves the puck really well. He's paired with Clevin primarily. Uh, they work really well together. Uh, at the Five Nations over in Sweden, those those the top four D for the U.S. team were really well. I thought that Faber and Clevin were uh, were excellent. Uh, he's, he's uh, five Nations, dude. different Five Nations from the summer on. This is the winter, correct? Right. Yeah, right. We'll, we'll yeah. get we'll get to Sweden and and, and Europe in, in a minute. So, all right, uh, okay, uh, Blake Biondi. Uh, so Biondi, I I saw him play last summer 
at the at the tryouts and I at, for the or, uh, at the festival in in Buffalo and I thought he was a man child out there. I thought he was big and strong. Basically got away uh, physically to do whatever he wanted. Um, you know, really I like how he played. And then I saw him play in the fall with USC games. In my opinion, was he looked like he was tired and I I it wasn't really any way for me to figure it out. But I was wondering if he was skating as much as the other guys playing the USHL leading into those games or if he was just at home being a normal high school kid getting ready for the season. Right. I don't really think that has any impact on how he's going to project long term, which is more of me wondering how he was how he was skating and how he was working out. Um, I'm a fan of how he plays. Uh, I saw him play in uh the ushl game when they played the u.s team and uh you know i think he's one of the guys he said no to the u.s program right correct he turned him down and and he had a couple of those guys uh taking runs at him and you know he stayed focused and did his job and did what he does he's a, he's a kid i'm actually a fan of um i think i think he's got a huge huge upside I think he's he's just his best days are, are ahead of him, and this he's going to be something. Here's a kid with probably the biggest upside. Um, he could be an NFL player. He could be a Major League Baseball player. Uh, yep. Jake Ratzloff from, from Rosemont. So he's a modern day Joe Dizek, right? Then Joe, then uh, yeah, yeah. I was gonna say, you know, Joe Maurer is today's gold standard for all around great athlete, (laughs) right? Not Joey D. No, 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 no. But no, that was my point. And Joe Dizek was was Joe Maurer before Joe Maurer became Joe Maurer. If you know what I'm saying? Yeah, that makes sense. And, And Ratzloff is a lot like those two. I mean, big, chiseled, could. You know, super athletic. What are your take on him? I see it. I, I've seen him since he was ten years old, and you you get to see him play for USHL. You get to see him play every once in, in camps. What's your take on him? Uh, so, I, has he decided if he's playing football or hockey yet? <laughs> no, I'm being honest, because like, I I think if he if he decides that he wants to play hockey, I think he can have an NHL career for a long, long time. He's, he's so big and obviously he's so athletic, but he's smart positionally. He's strong. He's only going to get stronger. He's only going to get more explosive. If he focuses on hockey. I have no idea what to say if he decides he's going to focus on football, because I'm guessing he's, he's unbelievably athletic just by watching how he moves. But last I knew in the research I had done that he still hadn't decided what he was doing. Yeah. Um, no one really knows for sure. Here's, here's funny. Ian. you'll let, you'll get a kick out of this in Minnesota. There's a big, it's a big thing called before and after, right? So you, they, yep. they go to the USHL then they come and they play high school hockey and then they go back and play USHL. I've heard this scenario. Just, just listen this out. This is the craziest scenario you'll ever hear. He's going to play football in the fall with his Rosemont high school team. And then he's going to go play in green Bay during the season. And then he's going to leave green Bay and come back and play baseball. So he's going to play all three sports, but not high school hockey in Minnesota. That's a, that was someone gave me that scenario. I'm like, uh, I've never heard of that before, but he's such a freak that he can kind of pick and choose whatever he wants to do. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's definitely a special athlete. There's no, no doubt about that. I mean, you'll obviously know more about that kind of stuff than I do, but, He's as far as an NHL D man, he's got the size and athleticism that everybody's going to want. And I think if he ever, you know, made it known that he wanted to be a hockey player, I think he probably moves up and probably is a second rounder. It's, you know, right now I follow college football pretty closely and it just seems like every five minutes on my Twitter feed, someone's committing to college 
for, for football, right? Yeah. And yep. so right now is a really hot college football time. And obviously he's got two really good choices between Minnesota and Wisconsin for football and for hockey for that matter. It's amazing. It's amazing. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's like. I mean, it's, so, got, it's so great. So, so he's got these good choices. And you know what? Ah, my, and I think I, I've been telling people in, in the hockey world, I'm like, just let it chill out. Let's wait till the NHL draft. Because if he's a top three pick, you know, top thir- three, three rounds in the NHL draft, what's the point of playing college football and beating yourself up when you can just go pretty much you have a pretty good shot of, of making an NHL team if you're in the top three rounds? You have, you'll give a lot of opportunities, what I'm saying. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's – I don't know. I mean, I, have, I would choose hockey. <laughs> yeah, so would I. <laughs> just for longevity purposes, right? Yeah, I, yeah, I just think he can play for a long, long time with hockey football you never you never you know, never know. I mean, who, the hell, who the hell knows what he loves so you never know you never know all right uh, a couple more here here's a fun one uh mason langenbrenner he's a defenseman yep. he's long yep. uh he's yep. a very got a high iq this is my opinion of him nothing like his dad i mean he's just the complete <laughs> opposite of his dad other than other than his last name what's your take uh same thing you were just saying he's a big strong kid uh, i think he's smart most of the time when I'm watching the kids, uh, I, I watch how, how their brain and how they process things. Like how do they, do they drift from the rush of the puck? Are they able to maintain, uh, or shut down triangles if they're defensively, you know, you're trying to make the triangles flat as flat as you can, or if they're on offense, can they, can they generate a triangle and, and create some depth? I think as a, as a defenseman, he does a great job taking away angles and, and making that, making that triangle flat. Uh, he's strong. I don't, I mean, his, his father had good quick feet. I would imagine the Mason's going to get quicker feet as he trains and, and gets older. And, um, but he's a kid that is definitely a project long-term, but he's got the size and strength to is somebody that would, uh, could be a late round pick. Here's another one of my favorites. Here's another kid that turned down the national development program, Jack Smith from St. Cloud Cathedral. He's had some injury. He's had the injury bug. Uh, have you had a chance to see much of him? No, I haven't. I've just heard that he has something special with the puck. I've heard he he can generate and create like nobody. Um, but I, I honestly haven't really been able to get get hold of tape or anything to watch him. So his he's got great acceleration, uh, and he probably his dad Andy will kill me for saying this, but he's like a born penalty killer too because he's got such a high energy kid and smart. So yeah. you got energy plus intelligence, great for penalty killing, uh, yep. great puck mover. Um, I think he's going to play a year in the USHL next year uh, yep. before he heads off to Minnesota Duluth. I mean, he is a he's a jackpot for for Scott Sandlin up in Duluth, as far as I'm concerned. I don't know yeah, about I mean, NHL. Just it's hard you can to make say, your right? Career is a penalty killer, though. If you're smart and fast, and you can you can stop and start in straight lines and, and detail to the system, you can make career as a killer. Yeah, you know, that, there's nothing wrong with that. No, nothing wrong with that at all. All right, yeah. so let's move into you. You mentioned it. You, you dropped it in there a little bit that you've seen, and you've obviously mentioned that you've seen a lot of of OHL. So you, you're pretty well yeah. versed in this 2000. When I say 2002, that's mostly 2002 kids getting drafted this year. Yeah, um, you're pretty well versed in the U.S. Obviously, we'll get to those. I want to go through your best U.S. player uh, and your biggest sleeper. All right. Your best U.S. player, best sleeper at each country. So you got U.S., Canada, and then we'll go Europe as well. And these will be names uh, that I, I'm guessing I've not heard some of these names. The best best U.S. kid, I, I, uh, I think it's going to be Jake Sanderson Yep. Uh, or Clevin. I think, the, I think the top four would be with the Whoa, US whoa, program. whoa, whoa, whoa. You said a name I'm very familiar with, uh, Clevin. Let's talk about yeah. him from, from Fargo. Uh, Clevin's just he's big, he's mean, he's athletic, he's got good feet. 
I, uh, I love his compete. I think he's got better skills and a better first touch than, than people think because he can handle bobbling pucks in the neutral zone and transition the puck very quickly. Uh, he obviously has an edge. Um, I was over in Sweden at the, at the five nations and the U S beat Sweden in the, in the finals, you know, it's around Robin, but it was essentially the finals U S Sweden and right. You got behind the net so I could videotape the fun bunch. And right at the end of the game, the game was essentially over. He took a run at a kid and it was, you know, I'm not, I kind of loved it because it was just a thud and a boom. And as the fun bunch is going on and through the, through the video, you can see he's skating backwards and he's got a couple of Swedish jerseys chasing him and he's just laughing and, and talking crap. Uh, I think he's a kid that can play a long, long time. If you're, if you're looking for a defenseman that is going to be able to play big minutes on penalty kill and big minutes five on five against the other team's top line, he's a guy that is going to be able to do it. I think he's going to be able to do it for a long time. If you're looking for a top two guy who's going to be able to run a power play, that's not him. But, um, you know, there's there's guys out there that are power play guys. There's guys out there that are, are there to shut down the other team's line and top line or top guys, and I think he's one of those guys. I think How perfect a fit. How perfect fit is that kid for North Dakota? I mean, the way no, they play. It's just unbelievable. Perfect, right? Yep. Just absolutely be great. perfect. All right, who's yeah. the biggest American sleeper out there? Uh, I think there's a couple of them. There's a, there's a kid, there's a sleeper's name's Ian Moore. I don't know if he might not be a sleeper now because uh, I think Central Scouting has him uh, pretty, high. Top, pretty high. But he plays at um, he plays that prep school, St. Mark's, that I was talking about yep. that could be small school. He is a big, tall, athletic, great defenseman. Um, growing up, he he's an O2, but he always played against the O1, so he always played an age up. And he wasn't very well known in the O2s. You know, a lot of times, kids who play an age up, they they turn into that kid that everybody talks about. Where, uh, Ian Moore was not that kid. He, he played with the older kids, but he was just one of those kids that fit in. He wasn't like a wheelhouse that was, you know, yep. where everyone went to see the young kid. But he is... Uh, Get, he's gotten better and better. If you watch him on a monthly basis for the last year, year and a half, he's gotten better and better and better every time you see him. Uh, he was supposed to go to Princeton. He, he then decommitted. He's going to Harvard now. It's a great spot for him. Um, he's a kid that, you know, 12 months ago, I don't think anyone would have thought that he was going to be a second or third rounder, and I think he probably will be. Wow. Another another forward who is a sleeper. Uh, I know if you watch watching NHL, you get Pierre Maguire. Yeah. Um, his son, Ryan. Yeah. No way. Yeah, he actually Ryan was at Belmont Hill where I went to where I went to school, and I, I don't really know where Ryan is in Central Scouting. I know he's on the list. I don't know the number, but uh, I think Ryan's gonna be a mid round pick. He went into the season or went into his draft year and was watching. He was probably about five ten and a half, five eleven. He's really competitive. Plays with an edge. He's unbelievably good on faceoffs. He's strong. He competes. He battles. Uh, last two years ago, he was prone to taking stupid penalties. He, he had no, you know what I mean? He, he'd step yeah. out of his way to, to do something this year. He, he'd grown up and he'd matured. And along with that, he also, he's about six, one now. Wow. And he is, uh, he's going to Colgate. It's a great spot for him to go to school. They've got a young staff up there. He's going to go, he's going to play. He's going to be counted on. I can't stress enough. He's, he's great on faceoffs. I mean, he does lose them, but he, he's great on faceoffs. He's in control. He's a really competitive kid. Where will um, he go next year? Will he play in the USHL next year? I think he's going to the BCHL. Okay. I don't know. I don't know where, but I think he's going to the BCHL. He, he, Madison has Madison has rights. So he played some games with Madison at the start of this year, this past year. Okay. Um, but he, then he's going to Colgate. But he's a kid. You know, obviously they, they're not going to have any sort of NHL combine, but I think people would be shocked if you saw how, how – big he's actually gotten because he's he's much closer to 6'1 than 5'11 right now 
cool. All so, right. Unless he's wearing heels. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'm all, right. all right, let's go to north of the border, Canadian. Who's the best Canadian? Lafreniere. All right. Uh, this is the guy you're yeah, talking I mean, about, right? No, that's oh. that. So there was Laferriere. Okay, sorry. Yep. Kid, and then there's Alexis Lafreniere, who plays for Ramuski. He's a he's an 01, a late 01. Um, and where does he play? He's in the Quebec okay, Major right. League. Uh, he's he's um, he's a stud. He's he's very. And he could be the first overall. He'll be no, he'll be number one. Yeah. He'll be number one. Okay. All right. yep. Yeah, he's uh, he led the World Juniors in scoring this year. Um, he was injured, missed a couple games. He's uh, big. He's strong. He's you know six one, one hundred ninety five, two hundred pounds. He's gonna get bigger than that. He's got great speed, great agility, great poise of the puck. He's a winger. He can score. He can dish it. He's he's the number one overall pick. Um, How about sleepers? Sleep, sleeper from Canada, you could take any of them. Uh, I'll give you two. There's a kid, Jamie Drysdale. He's a D-man. He's gonna he's projected as a top five, but he's an undersized D-man. Very very skilled. Very poised of the puck. He's like a Kale McCarr, that type of thing. Okay. Or Quinn Hughes. Um, just dynamic with the puck. He can create offense out of nothing. Offensive zone. He's great at at initiating a high, a high cycle. Um, he's, he's just, uh, he's, he's very, very good. Very, very smooth, very talented and with the success that, uh, Hughes and McCarr have had. It's, it's playing right, right for him perfectly. Right. Uh, sleeper. There's a, a kid that I love, uh, Ben McCartney. He's in the Western hockey league. I can't think of which team he's on right now, but I think he's in Brandon. Uh, he right. also, he's an old one. So he got passed over last year. Uh, is a point of game kid. He's a leader on their team. He absolutely plays his ass off. He's on the edge. He's annoying. Um, he finishes checks. He finishes checks borderline late. He <laughs> takes hits. He makes plays. He fights. He blocks shots. He kills penalties. He's net front on a power play. Um, he's a kid. I have no Sounds idea. Sounds like a dream player, isn't he? Yeah. I mean, he's. He's, so he got passed over last year, so there's something's up with him. But I mean, he had I think he had 81 points in 80 games this year, uh, and he absolutely brings it. Like I, think I, I told you, I, I love watching the Western Hockey League games. I think they're honest games. Um, there's really no crap, and if there is crap, somebody's got to answer to it. And he's a kid who gives it every time he, that I've seen them, them play. He's he's uh, he's a factor. He's an impactful kid. He he's somebody that does something to uh, to help his team in a positive way. So when you watch a Western League, you're watching a BC or Western League game, a, a league that you don't really have a lot of familiarity with. How do you quickly get an understanding of what it's all about? Uh, so Western League, um, I mean, you know what the guys that you played with, what they're like. You know what the guys, so you, you kind of stay in touch with some of the guys you played with. Right. Um, with Neutral Zone, you know, we started watching this year's class, you know, three, four years ago. So we've got background notes on those guys. Our, our scouts for neutral zone scouts are up in Canada. They're, they're guys that were, you know, either coached or played major junior or involved in major junior management. Uh, they, maybe they coached U sport or they, they were division one coaches. So they have a good feel with, you know, recruiting the recruiting um, Canadians and where they come from and the kids that end up in the Western league versus the British Columbia hockey league or, or even play in the Alberta league. Um, so we have the background for that. So when, when it's coming into this year to get a feel for these kids, you know, we've got two and three years of a background on them where we know the trajectory of a kid who and where he's gone. There's a kid named Logan Barlaghi 
who's about 6'5", 225 pounds right now. He was an absolute phenom as a Bantam. Like, I'm putting up like two right. and a half points per game. And he got to Major Junior, and the, the points just haven't been there. He was eligible for the draft last year. You know, but this year, he's starting to put it together. Again, he's enormous. He's like he's like uh, Keith Primo. He's like just a big, huge kid who, yeah. who's grown into himself. You know, last year, he was, you know, he relied as a younger kid. He was just so physically dominant that he could get away with not moving his feet because he could hold the puck forever. And, you know, this year, as the year went on, his feet got better and better. He, better. He's just a, he's a big, big bugger. He's strong. He's a centerman, so he's moving his feet, moving all over. Um, you know, just things like that. So we have the background on him that he was a, you know, a force as a kid and it's just kind of taken him a little while to grow into himself. And he had a hell of a year this year, you know, yeah. he's not, he's never going to put up the points that he did as a young kid, but he's definitely a two way guy that could play a role in a, in a bottom six in an NHL team, For in, sure. you know, in my opinion. For sure. So, All right. So you went over to the five nations. Uh, give me some European names that we need to keep an eye out for the NHL draft. Uh, uh, top player. Let's see here. Uh, bah, bah, bah. I'm trying to find. There's a Finn. Uh, what is his name? Um, I'm spacing on it. Let's go. So let's start in Sweden. I got Zion Nybeck. I know that the um, Central Scouting had him ranked ranked low as a European skater. I think he's I think he's pretty dynamic. Okay. Uh, he's small. He's only only like five six or five seven, but he is unbelievably quick. He um, he can make plays out of nothing. He's got a very quick release. He's smooth. He he's strong. You know, like I said he's little, and he he is little, and he's slight, but he, he's strong in the puck. He doesn't get knocked around. He's not going to go and initiate contact to create turnovers. But he's so fast, he can separate hands from the puck very easily. Um, he's he's really good. And then there's two fins. There's a defenseman named Emil Vero, who um, to okay. me, he looks like he's bigger. He was like, I thought he was, when I watched him play, I would have guessed he was over six feet, but I think he measured at 5'11". Uh, he's, he's just a competitive kid. He battles. I'm a fan of the Finns, the Finns I played with and the Finns now. They come over, they play on a hybrid ice sheet over there. It's not as big as Olympic and it's not as small as here. Yeah. So there's, there's a little more grinding that goes on. Uh, he's a kid that he plays really hard. Um, he jumps up in the rush. He doesn't lead the rush, but he makes good outlets and joins. He's an option. He's got a good first touch. He's got a hard shot. Um, he's a defenseman to watch. Then there's a a forward, Casper. Uh, I'm not sure how to pronounce his last name, but it's Simon Tavial or something like that. But uh-huh. the Five Nations, the the kid was deadly. I mean, they had the the shootouts at the end of the games to see who wins. He scored on his. He had to go double time because they had extra shooters. He scored. Uh, he he almost. He almost is a kid that I think he's going to get better when he's playing in the NHL as a kid. You know, there's kids that could dominate when they're younger because they could just go coast to coast. Yeah. He's a kid. He was really good without the puck. He found open areas and went there. And when his, when the puck is on a stick, it was gone. and It was an absolute release. Like, he, he's got a bullet. He's a scorer. I think he, I think Central Scouting's got him rated a little lower where we're going to have him. I think he's a borderline first-round kid. His, his first touch and his feet are, are ridiculously good. How do you spell and, this name? I want to do a little research. Casper? Casper with a K or a C? K K K S P R. Simon Taval. It's like S I M O N T O V A L L E. I think Simon Simon Taval. Like he okay. was to me I, with the Five Nations. I thought he was really something special. Um, let's see here for checks. Uh, the goalie Bednar is very good. He got absolutely peppered with shots uh, over in that tournament. Just got constant barrage of shots he was very good he was athletic um 
don't remember for sure, but I'm pretty sure he got a helper where he, he made a save, killing a penalty. Where they were killing up, a penalty. Fed it. <laughs> no, he's a goalie. Yeah. But he, he, made, he made the save, put it down, and the kid was coming out of the box, and he threw Fired shots and sent him in on a breakaway. Wow. And I think, he got a, I think he got a helper on it. If not, he definitely sent the kid in. But he's, he's really good. Uh, I'm Just being honest, I'm not particularly good with uh with evaluating goalies i know it seems like it should be obvious to to watch a kid if he makes a save or not yeah it's I, know, hard. I know that i'm really aware of goalies that get outside of their post and get outside of the paint and right. he was he was a kid that didn't get didn't get sucked out that he was knew his angles and knew where he was on the ice so um so there you go and then the swiss team was over there uh, Swiss had a bunch of kids that were, uh, Oh threes. So they're eligible really? next year. Yeah. But they, they got kind of pumped in that tournament, but next year they got some kids that can play. And to tell you the truth, I, I just remember they were threes and they were good. And I can't tell you their names. I'm not All that right. good. All right. <laughs> so that's good. All right. So let's go, let's wrap the show up with talking about the path, right? So, uh, the Minnesota, I'll give you the Minnesota path. Uh, maybe you yep. give me a little bit, the, the new England path, then we can talk maybe North American path and just talk about, in what the what the right way to go is right you know or or, or what, how do you find a a path to the NHL because uh, that's what we're talking about here um, the, the the Minnesota path is to uh, obviously play local bantams uh, maybe a high school of some sort um, some some go to the USHL as as seniors in high school we get a handful of kids maybe two or three that make the program um, and then the, the the rest will go play the, the traditional is high school USHL and CAA. Um, yep. There are a rare few that skip uh, out after a year of NCAA and go right to pro. Some do two years to go to pro. Uh, mostly it's three, right? Yep. Um, they play, you know, the traditional route if you're a real pro hockey player is after your third year, you go pro. Yep. What is it in, what is the route in, in New England or even the East Coast? Because I know a lot of these kids don't end up in the USHL. They'll, they'll play in the NAW. They'll play prep school. Um, how does that route go? Yeah, so and, is, and is it shame? Is it a shame if you're from Boston to go play in the Q? Because it's a shame. Yeah, you're shamed if you're in Minnesota and you go play in the W. Yeah, kids don't, kids don't go to the Q. Um, like when we, when we were younger, when I was younger, there would be kids from the Northeast that would, would go to the Q, but it, or they would go to the OHL, the Western League. They didn't have, they didn't have the regions that the the major junior had now. You know, so right. now Minnesota kids have to go to the Western League, yep. Michigan to the OHL, and New England now is the Quebec League. So then yep. it was it was a little bit different. Um, but, so, but the, the, realistically, there's there's not many kids that go up to the Q. I think there's only a handful that are playing up there right now. So it's very uh, similar to Minnesota then. Very, very similar. Okay. Uh, it's not like Michigan where kids will go to the OHL. Um, the primary, primarily with the kids in the Northeast do, um, there's a couple programs that would have a full season option. One would be Boston advantage and one yep. would be the Boston junior Bruins. Um, they would have a U 16 full season and a U 18 full season. Yep. Uh, that, that isn't the path of, of most of the kids. Like there, there's definitely good players that, that play that way. Uh, Timmy Lovell is a defenseman. I was going to say that's the Lovell yep. group, right? That, that yeah, has Boston yeah. advantage. Yeah, so Lovell, Timmy Lovell Timmy is Lovell. the one. He's like five six, and he's just unbelievable. He's electric. He's electric. Yeah, it's just will he will he get drafted? Will he not? I mean, I talked to NHL scouts. Some of them say there's not a chance, and there's other teams that think they'd take him, you know, late in second just because he's so dynamic. But who the hell knows? But you know, those are kids that would come out of a full season midget program and go to the USHL. Primarily, the kids now 
will go to a prep, will go to prep school and they'll play um, until they're a senior. There's a couple kids that'll leave early this year. There's uh, a couple kids, Riley Duran and David Sacco, are on Central Scouting list. They're, they're leaving after their junior year to go to go play in the BCHL, I believe. I'm not okay. sure which teams, but they're heading. But the majority of the kids will stay, and then from there they'll go to the USHL. So um, Alex Ferrier is a kid I brought up a couple of times. He played at Taft, which is a school in Connecticut. Um, he's out in the USHL this year. There's other kids. Um, Aiden McDonough, who just was rookie of the year for Northeastern, played at Thera Academy for Tony Amante, and then he went out and he played at Cedar Rapids. Uh, had a very good year. He ended up being a seventh round pick as a, as a 99. So he was a late, you know, an older kid to get picked last year by Vancouver. I thought it was a great pick because he's a big kid and he's athletic. And he goes to Northeastern and he's he's just burying pucks on the on the on the power play. So those those that's primarily what happens in the Northeast. But there's there's no like the the kids don't know about the Quebec league and they don't, I don't think they take it seriously over the last week. I've been doing some research, talking to the kids who were first, you know, the, the Quebec league has an American entry draft where it's two rounds. Yeah. And there's kids who, um, who were drafted last year and, you know, in the top 10, 15 picks in the Quebec league and the Quebec league team never even reached out to tell them they were drafted. Never. Wow. There's been no interaction with them in a year. Um, you know, that definitely doesn't happen in the OHL. And no. I'm, I'm, I wouldn't think that happens in the WHL, no, it but, doesn't. um, you know, I, I, I really think that you're going to start seeing some kids that will take uh, the major junior, major junior option more seriously or consider it more seriously because of the NCAA changing the recruiting rules. You know, they, the NCAA or the major junior teams now can really wine and dine the kids that are old fours and old fives. So, you know, fives now and say, you know, this is a financial package. This is what we're getting. You know, I've heard rumors about what, what kids that were, you know, playing prep school, the financial package they've got, if they go to the Quebec league, they've said no to it. But there's some, there's some kids in the Northeast that are 99s that were big time recruits that committed to a school and they just finished their, you know, second year playing in the USHL or second year playing junior. And the school has walked away from them. And now those kids are 99s. They've got nothing, they've got nothing left to do. I mean, they can go to school and they can pay their way or what happens if they, you know, what happens if they went and they played major junior and the, and the, obviously the things have changed where they're a 99 and they've got nothing to do and they've got the financial package where they're getting a couple hundred grand to go to school wherever they want, you know, so the school is yeah. still getting paid for the NHL's dream is dead. When you're a, when you're a 99 or an OO, you pretty much know if your NHL dream is dead or if you're a late bloomer going the other way. Right. So, um, I don't know. I think you're, I think there's going to start seeing some kids that that take it more seriously. Well, uh, I think with, with I, Major Junior. You mentioned something there that I never even dawned on me. The, the the part about not having anything at the end of playing American Junior hockey, whether it be the NA or the USHL. There's no there's no financial guarantee, right? Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, and there I is a financial think... guarantee if you don't sign a pro contract if you play oh, yeah. in the CHL. Yep. Without a doubt. Yeah. I mean, there. Oh, interesting. You know, it dawned it's... on me. I think there's, you know, I mean, I, I know a couple of kids and I know them personally and they, they were big recruits and they, right now the schools have walked away from them and they had opportunities to go to the Quebec league and they didn't go and they had, you know, financial packages. They didn't have, they didn't get drafted in the drafts. So I don't know how it worked where they, they could talk to it so they could sign with these teams, but they said no to it. And now they're going to end up, you know, whether they go as a division one, as a walk-on where they're going to end up paying their own way anyways, or they're going to end up playing division three as a, as a recruit, but they're going to end up paying, paying to go to school. You know, what happens if they went up and they played and, you know, they, 
their college experience. They know the NHL dream is, is done. What happens if they just went to McGill and played and they were playing for free? Or what if they say, screw it, I'm going to come back and I'm going to go to, I was academically, I could get into University of New Hampshire or Northeastern. What if I just go there and it is what it is. Get, and I get, get, get my degree. I've got 250 grand in, in an educational uh, contract that Major Junior has to pay because we signed it. And I'm going to school for free and I got to play in the Quebec League in front of, you know, at La Colisee in Quebec. Right. In front of 8,000 people, you know, if it's a, it's a, you know, I don't, I don't know what will happen. I know in Michigan and well, the kids I, I, draft in the OHL, it's a different, different I'm animal. I'm glad you, know? you brought it up because I think this is the first year. You, this is truly the first year because the 04s were still before May 1st last year were committing like crazy. There was a like 05 kid that committed to like, I don't know, Northeastern or something. Remember yeah, that was like yeah, Alex Ryan Adams Fine. or something like that. Yeah, like yeah it was Ryan, Ryan Fine. Ryan and, Fine. Uh, and Tant. Yeah, Tanner, Tanner Adams. Adams. Oh yep. my goodness! And I posted one of their pictures because they played in one of our tournaments. Yep. You'd have thought the world had, Armageddon had been upon us. You know, it was like yep. people relax. He looks like he's ten, like because he was ten yep. when he was that picture was taken. <laughs> Sorry, I felt so bad, but I'm like, yeah. And he was really yep. good in our tournament, like one of the best yep. five six kids in the tournament. Like, yeah, and they were yep. good, and they were good gets for those schools. Yep. Does anybody know if they're going to be any good in five years? No, but I can tell you, yep. between ten and fifteen, they were darn good hockey players. Yeah, well, I saw I saw Adams fine, and then Will Smith is another kid. Who oh, committed that's that's unbelievable! And those, and those those three are damn good. Yeah, they're, they're they're damn good. I think they're they're. There's another northeastern well. kid, Ryan Leonard, who's a darn good hockey player too. He's right. He's going to end up at UMass. UMass. He's 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 Johnny Leonard's younger younger brother. Uh, so, and Johnny Leonard just graduated UMass and signed with San Jose, and then is the younger brother. There's three. There's three Ryan Leonard's that are from Boston, and the one from Springfield is the one that's He's, But there's a Ryan Leonard that's a tough D man that's a little bit older, who's probably going to be a D three kid. He plays for say, uh, the Kings and the NCDC. And then there's uh, another Ryan Leonard who's I want to say he's an O three who's kind of a mid-range kid will probably end up being a D3 kid. But the the stud Ryan Leonard is the one that's out in Springfield. It's Johnny's brother. Very good player. All right. Yeah, really, um, really good. So let's go through the, the, the path and the college path. And here's my only concern, and, and, I, and I'll probably get struck down for saying this. My only concern of the college hockey path to the pro hockey, it's the whole 30 games versus the, the 60 games thing. What are your yeah. thoughts on the 30 games, 60 games, as far as developmental model concern? It depends the kind of kid you are, uh, whether you're like tall and lanky, like, you know, Mason Langenbrunner is going to be a kid that needs college. He needs that extra time to develop and train. Um, I think the 30 games or 35 games will be fine, fine for him where he, yep. he's better off having the time in the weight room and the getting his feet under him and, you know, development of a better base and quickness and focusing on that. The hockey sense wise, he's always going to be fine. Yep. You know, if he, if he went and played major junior, you know, it is, is his time out when he's, when he's 20 and all of a sudden he's got, he doesn't know what to do. Uh, this is, you know, taking the whole financial package out of it. There's a, yeah. you know, there's, if you're a big kid who needs to grow into himself, I think college is the way to go. If you're, if you're a stud who's, you know, five, nine and five ten, and you know, you're fully grown and you are what you are and you're going to be a first or a second round pick I, and you're, you're a hockey player and that's Cole, what you want to do. Caulfield would have been a perfect example, right? Yes. Yeah, right? exactly. So Cole, you know what he is. Yeah, right? you already know so what he's, he's going to be, right? Yep, he's a scorer. He, he Clayton is what Keller, he is. those types, right? Yep. Just super yeah, skilled, so, smaller guys. Yeah. And if they, they know what they are and they go and play major junior, I think it's 
I don't, I don't, I don't, I mean, being honest, I don't have an issue if anyone goes plays major junior. I just, right. I, I want to talk to them and, and figure out how it all works. I know the kids that have gone to the Quebec league. I've spent some time talking to them over the last couple months. Cause we've got to put together a list for the, for the draft that no one in Quebec will pay attention to, but they probably should for the kids in, in new England for the 04 group. But, um, you know, I, I think that there's like big tall kids like that are going to, uh, I don't know what's the what's the big tall kids going to Wisconsin on the U.S. team? Uh, big tall D man, not Clevin, but uh, Lash. You know, Lash. If Lash goes, if Lash goes oh, major yeah. junior, so when when he gets to twenty, if he's still a a gangly kid who's grown into himself, is the team that drafts him are they going to waste a contract on him? No. You know, is he is he worth the contract, or do they just say screw it? And then he signs a, a East Coast League deal or a two way deal, AHL East Coast League deal with another team, and he plays on the coast and tries to figure it out. The last goes to Wisconsin, you know, realistically, he's going to be a three or a four year kid for sure. He stays the whole be. time, you know, he comes out of there. All of a sudden he's given himself extra time to develop an extra time to train an extra time to turn into what he, what he's supposed to be. And at 24, he comes out and he's probably competing for an NHL spot. You know, is he going to be there? Probably not, but he's a kid that he's going to be in the AHL. He's going to get real minutes to play and real minutes to develop their team. The, the coaches, the NHL development program and development coaches are going to take time to work with them and talk with them and, do this, do the stuff on the ice that matters. Where if he went major junior, it's, he's probably done as a 21 year old, you know, yeah. done with his dream of the NHL is done. So I, I can't really say which is the, which is the right choice for every kid all the time. Cause I think it varies from player to player and size and athleticism and where you are in your development, not only as a player, but as a person. Um, but I don't, I don't frown upon the kids that go to major junior. You know, it, I, I don't think anything of it. Like, um, you said you liked you, know, you liked watching Western League or oh, I love it. What what is it so what's so great about it that you like? Uh, it's just honest hockey. There's there's no crap. Uh, if there is crap, then they they still fight. Which you know whether you think fighting is good or bad, mm-hmm. whatever. For me, I, I think that it's good for the, the. I think it to make somebody play an honest game. I think is great. Like that kid Ben McCartney I talked about yeah. runs around and hits kids and he might hit a little bit late. You know, I've seen the, I've seen games where he he's got a fight and he fights and he answers the bell and he comes back and he plays and he plays an honest game. There's, I think the days of the, the major junior having the guys that are strictly goons are totally done. I think that right. that you can't have that in any league, so they're not going to have it major junior because they, you know, they they get I don't know subsidized is the right word, but they get money for having draft picks and all those kids go on to play, so they can't they're not having can't the, waste the, the time the on straight it. yeah the straight fighters they don't they don't exist anymore. But if you can get a good, hard-nosed kid that can play and fight, he's going to matter. And, I mean, I don't, I don't mean to sound like Brian Burke here with truculence <laughs> matters, but at, at, at some point. I knew we were going to use the truculence eventually, right? Yeah, that's my word, truculence. Yeah. My, wife said, my wife dared me to get it in this. So, um, you know, but at some point there's going to there's gonna come a time where if you're big and you can intimidate, intimidation is always going to be part of the game. There's There's so many kids now and so many players now that, are smaller and they're so skilled and they run around. If you're a big kid that can move and play with a little grime and play with a little grit, play that's with valuable. Documents. As a coach, you're standing huge, on the bench and, and you got Clayton Keller or huge. you know Cole Coffee out there ringing up, yep. you know five three five point nights. You got to hey, well, you got to put the wood to this kid. You know, put the yeah, I mean, St. Louis, a little bit, right? St. Louis last year. I mean, they they just in the playoffs they just wore guys down, wore teams down, and it's you know you're big and. Bigger, I mean, it's, stronger, it's different, meaner, right? They different than mean. different than when I played for sure. I mean, if I played now, I'm you know marginally six feet, and I played at about two fifteen or two twenty. If I was playing now, I'd be marginally six feet, and I'd play at about one ninety. 
Right. You know, it changed to. totally differently. Yeah, without a doubt. You would have but if to. you can if you can get a big kid who can move, you know, and I'll talk about another New England kid, Riley Duran, who's a he's a big kid. You know, two years ago he was playing public high school hockey in Massachusetts, which isn't exactly the best, but he's right. just a big athletic bugger. Now he's six two and two ten and he's he's big and he's got some snarl. You know, he's gonna go he's gonna play junior and then he's gonna go to Providence. He's gonna he's gonna be a kid that is, is gonna be an impactful pro. You know, he's not going to put up 30 goals probably, but he could put up 30 points and play against the other teams, you know, hot shots and, and be right. a grind and be hard against. And he's, he's got an edgy, you know, he's an edgy kid. I don't mean that he's a punk off the ice. He's, he's a perfectly nice kid and polite, but he, he's got some edge on the ice. And he, he's one of the few kids that I watched this year that went out of his way to make sure that the other kids, best players knew that he was going to, you know, put a cross check into their kidneys and ribs and let them know that he was around. And he wasn't dirty. He wasn't there. He just let those kids know that it was going to be a night. You know, and there's there's always going to be a kid for that or a role for that in the pros, always. Yeah, I did a quick Google search on this Ben McCartney kid. He doesn't look like the kind of guy you want to go in the corners with, right? He right, just, but he's not that he's not that big though. He's, he's like 6'1? You know, 180 six, pounds. Yeah, 180 right? pounds. Yeah, he doesn't yeah. look. He, he looks like children of the corn. I mean, he's like does he, does, going there nasty. He, at, the, at the beginning of the year, he had a red goatee. Yeah, <laughs> it's just you know, not it pretty. You know, like you don't want to go after Scott that Park, guy. Yeah, Christmas Story, Scott Farkas. That's who he reminded me of. Exactly. You know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> who he reminds me of. <laughs> um, so I'm sure after playing, you know, 500 and some games in NHL, you got some good NHL stories to to put a wrap on this one. What's your What's your favorite story? Or just was just like. Like, I'm sure there's a laugh a minute in the locker room or, or with the fans yeah. or the coaches. I think you yeah. told me you had like 15 coaches. So I'm sure there's a story yeah, so, I could dig out of you. Yeah. So in 15 years pro, I had 15 head coaches. So I was a coach killer without a doubt. Yeah. Uh, what does that mean? You know, like they just, you just, you just bad luck, right? You were like, uh, yeah, a guy got hired. I mean, you're getting in pros, you're getting hired to get fired anyways. But like, right. I got, when I got traded to Boston, uh, Four days later, four days later, Robbie Fatoric got canned. You know, what are you days. thinking at that point? <laughs> hope, the, hope the new guy likes me. Yeah, really. <laughs> uh, the story that I think is pretty good that everybody gets a kick out of it was my first year playing in Pittsburgh. It was, you know, I don't know when it was, but it was our first trip to LA. And, uh, you know, we're, we're down a goal at the end of the game. And I don't know when we pulled the goalie, but the goalie was Kenny Reggett. So I'm not on the ice, I'm on the bench. You know, we go out. I have no idea what happens at the game. If we score, we don't. Oh, actually, we, we lost. We lost the game. I know that. Uh, so we lose the game. And, you know, it's back with pay phones. And I don't know if it's that night or the next day. I call home and, you know, talking to my dad. And he's like, well, you know, what was the, what was the crowd yelling at you and Kenny? And I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. And he's like, no, you know, the crowd was yelling at you and Kenny. You guys are just like, you know, like a dad. I have no idea. He goes, well, in over, overtime or before overtime, when you pulled the goalie, they, uh, they looked and they had – the bench and the coach is talking about what's going on with the board and it's got you and Kenny and Kenny's got a stick in the crowd and you two are, you know, jabbing back and forth and, you know, definitely talking. And I said, Oh no, no, no. So the Baywatch girls were sitting. He was pointing them out to me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so, that's good. Yeah. That's yeah. good. I mean, yeah, that's, that's kind of gives puts perspective on, you know, playing in Edmonton versus playing in LA. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It was definitely, uh, it was definitely interesting. It was fun. It was great. I mean, I had a, Every day I had a great time, so it was it was a blast. I was lucky. I was fortunate. I played with played with great guys. Played with great teammates. You know, it was it was a ton of fun. Every, I could 
I could tell stories all day about stupid crap that went on. So the list of your coaches, though, still kind of is just staggering. I mean, you have Herb Brooks and Ivan yeah. Malinka and Craig yeah. Patrick and Kevin Constantine. I mean, yeah. is there one I of them? Tell that... everyone in Minnesota, Herbie, Herbie hated me. <laughs> so I played for Kevin Constantine, who's a Minnesota guy. Yeah. And uh, my hair was bleached white. Why? Like it was white, white like I, I just. Is that what the ladies went... liked then? No, right? my wife went. My wife went away. She was went to came back to Boston for a little bit, and I thought it would be hysterical to bleach my hair white, just cause. So I bleached it all white. There was no roots. There was nothing. It was just white. Yeah. And while while this was going on, Kevin got fired. Kevin constantly got fired, and Herbie took over. And with Kevin, I was playing, you know, like 20, 25 minutes a game. I was playing a ton. It was, you know, it was what it was. And Herbie came in, and my hair was bleached white, and he wouldn't he wouldn't play me until. Uh, until I dyed my hair back to normal and I wasn't going to do it. Cause I like, I warmed up with my helmet on. I didn't warm up with yeah. the white hair out there and all that stuff. So I've, I've, I've never really told, I mean, guys know the story, but I've never really told the story. So we're, it, this goes on for like a month of Herbie wanting to tell me I need to dye my hair back to get a sweater. And I'm like, I'm not dying it back. There's no reason it has no impact. And I'm not doing it. So it's just, it's turning into a real pissing match whether I'm going to dye my hair or not. So we go, we're playing Philadelphia and uh so dying it back isn't an easier deal right because it's still no, gonna it's gross. Blind. it's, it's just, just it's, gross yeah it's sick so it is what it is we're, we're playing philly and I'm, I'm getting some shifts but i'm not playing a lot and herbie's literally yelling at me from the bench that i'm a minor leaguer that i suck and that i'm awful and it's just it is what it is and it's you know at this point it's i don't it can't it is what it is so i'm sitting on the bench and we're at a tv timeout and i'm sitting next to kip miller and herbie Herbie's down. And he just starts screaming at me that I, you know, I suck and I'm brutal and I'm a minor leaguer. And he gets right in my ear and he starts saying it. And he's in between Kippy and I. And I look up at him and I go, "You know what, Herbie? It really was a fucking miracle, wasn't it?" <laughs> and from that po- from that point on, he played the hell out of me. All he wanted me to do was basically tell him to go screw. Up. <laughs> yeah, well, it's funny so, the stories I hear. Yeah. Like, I, I actually interviewed his son yesterday, but this and this wasn't part of the stories. But I was doing some research on him, and I've interviewed a few ex players, and you know, kind of just did my homework on it. And they yeah. said that they said these guys told me a story that that after they won at Minnesota, and this is a, the University of Minnesota, yeah. Yeah. That's when they would get bag skated. Like when they would yeah. lose, they would he would just he would constantly keep them on their toes as to yeah. what might be the case, and and that's no different than the movie Miracle and what you're just talking no. about right there, right? No, he just wanted he just wanted me to stand up to him, and you know I guess his perception was that I had. Uh... You know, I was one of Kevin's boys, and he had to break me down. Or I was one of Kevin Constantine's boys, and he had to break me down. And this whole process, we had Yuri Schlager, who Kevin Kevin didn't like Yuri. Schlager is a, a great guy, and the, the guys on the team found out that I wasn't playing because my hair was white. And Schlager, Schlager was one of Herbie's boys. Yeah. So Schlager, we have a day off, and Yuri Schlager comes in the next day, and his hair is bleached white. Herbie had no idea what to do. No. So yeah, so Schlager had white hair. And he was playing. I had white hair. I wasn't playing. And then I, you know, at that TV that, time, that probably started, throws him off big time. Uh, right? he would, yeah, he would, yeah, we were a real tight group of guys in Pittsburgh there, really tight. Oh, that's and, great. Uh, and yeah, as soon as I told him, it really was a fucking miracle. There we go. He had no issues with me anymore. <laughs> 
Oh, that's good. Oh, that's yeah. great. Well, this has so, been a lot of fun today. I, we've gotten to break down yeah, your, your career and and uh, some of the, the fun stuff. Talk about the past, some of the players from Minnesota, uh, your connections to all the guys from Minnesota. We've really touched on a lot of things. I appreciate your time joining yeah, me here. Yeah, thank you very much. Be- before, before we hang up, let's get a quick plug for Neutral Zone and and, yep. and, and the website and how, and how, how they can find you on Twitter. All right, so neutralzone.net is the website. Yep. We've got articles going up, current evaluations going up every day. We've got free articles that have to do with college commitments and where the guys are coming from. We've got evaluation articles that you know, fall into the subscription base that starts with 2005s and goes up through 1999s. Like we just released our list of uh, you know top couple hundred 1999s that still are uncommitted. Uh, some guys got uh, committed off of that list or shortly thereafter that list. Um we do pretty much, you name it. We, we evaluate boys and girls. Uh, we'll have right. more of a focus on girls for next year. Uh, we have, we have a girls branch, a women's branch now, uh, that's going to grow next year. It was actually in the process of growing before everything hit here with, uh, coronavirus or COVID, uh, right. whatever you want to call it. Um, but we, it's hockey guys that are in the rink. We don't, there's no BS about if we don't know it, if we don't know the kid, we just say it. Like we don't, I did. You mean you asked me about kids that I, I haven't seen. Yeah. We, I, it is what it is. There's no point. Yeah. I, I, I have the same yeah. philosophy. Like, what do you think about this guy? I'm not going to lie about it. I don't, yeah, I've never I don't seen know. Him. I mean, I've heard, I've heard. And those that, are the guys I respect at the rank. I'm like, what do you yeah. think this guy? I don't know. I'm like, okay, good. I'd rather have yeah. you out than make something up. Right. Yeah. And we've got, we've got hockey guys that are in the rink. Um, We've got ex-NCAA coaches. We've got ex-major junior guys. We've got guys that played pro. We've got guys that were Western League guys. You name it, they they've they're hockey guys, and they've been time in the rink. And we all watch the game a little bit differently. We all think about different things. Um, right. But when you put it all together, you know, you get evaluations. We've got you know, I'll have, I'll have something coming up on Jake Boltman at some point today or tomorrow. We've got evaluations on him from 2015. Wow. So, and I certainly wasn't the one watching him in 2015. No. No. But you can see exactly what his trajectory was when he committed to Minnesota. to uh, Minnesota and what what's going on. Then you'll get my thoughts on him in the draft and where I think he should get drafted and why. And you know, I look at it a little bit differently than you know everybody. I look at it as where his path is and what's going to happen when he's at Minnesota. I think he's going to get drafted without a doubt. I think yeah. he's, he moves well. He's smart. He's uh, he's a righty. He's six one already. You know, he's going to get stronger, but he's going to go to, he's going to go to Minnesota. He's probably going to be a four year kid. I think that's going to impact where he gets drafted and, you know, him getting drafted. I was a sixth round pick and it was a sixth round pick because I was going to school and I knew I was going to stay a couple of years. And my thoughts on Jake is that he'll, he'll get picked and it'll probably be a little bit later, but I, I think he's got, you know, what it takes to come out. So when I put my take on it, it's a little bit different than what other guys are going to think, but All right, so no, I just looked no up knocking your- him. I just looked up your, uh, your 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 Twitter. It's NHL underscore NZ. Is that how they can find you? On yeah, Twitter? that's that's that. Or I meant I am hockey skills. And I am hockey skills. They're all. I it's all. But where where can they find the 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 the, the video rants? Because that's really that's, that's where the that's, that's where the, the rubber hits the, the road. Yeah, that's the NHL. The NHL NZ. underscore NZ. Go follow that. I, I, I watch them all. I think they're awesome. Um, yeah. They're very entertaining, very insightful. You kind of got a nice little mix of, you know, humor. 
you know, intelligence yeah. and uh, a little bit of encyclopedia there. And, and what's that? Let's not get crazy with the intelligence. Oh, yeah, you're a smart guy. You're a real smart guy. If you don't think you're smart, uh, go listen to this show. And I, I, I vouch that this is a – you got a lot of information in there and you got a lot of uh, insights as to how hockey players can, can get to the next level, and I appreciate it. Yeah. No, thank you very much. I had a blast. It was a great time. It's uh, Ian Moran from Neutral Zone Hockey here on the Lots of Matzah Pizza Podcast.